Welcome to Never Not Creative. Episode number... We're not doing, not doing numbers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because uh, we're not quite sure what the next few episodes looks like in terms of what we're releasing when. So this is a surprise number. We could just... <laughs> I could add it to it later. I could add it to it later. No, no. Yeah. It's more fun to do it this way. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, just wing it. <laughs> so I'm Andy Wright. I'm Sarah Nguyen. And today we have international guests. Ooh. You flew these <laughs> lovely people yeah. in. Cost us a fortune. <laughs> All the way from Scotland. Yes. We have Craig and Alison Black. Yep. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming in. Um, your weather today is a hundred times better than it is back oh, home. Definitely. It was freezing cold back home. Um, I had my big jacket on, big jumper underneath that, boots on, and then 30 hours later, shots and t-shirt weather yeah. and yeah. getting a burnt nose mm-hmm. in two days, which is pretty good. I've done well. Yeah. I, yeah. I can imagine it must have been a bit of a shock landing here, though, in the heat. It was, especially because it is so cold back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a bit of a crazy year. We've been travelling quite a lot this year, um, which has been good to get away from the coldness of Scotland. So, yes, yeah, it's very welcoming. We're loving this weather right now. Really cool. cool. So, for people that don't know Craig Black, which they must have been under a rock this last <laughs> few months. Um, do you want to give a little bit of a background around what you do and a bit of your sort of quick potted history of a, of a career? Right. Not too, it doesn't have to be too long. Too People long. Are listen um, to ADR well, just cut, cut me off then if that get too long. Um, so I'm a... So next question. Moving on swiftly. Um, so I'm a, an independent designer um, specialised in typography and lettering. I've been doing this now for six years, is that right? Six years? Um, I'm based in my hometown in Gourock, uh, in Scotland. It's a beautiful little coastal town. That's where me and Alison's from. Um, We set up based there, when was it, three years ago? We got a house, set up home studio? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So my work kind of spans between branding, packaging, installations, murals, and everything in between, really. Um, Anything to do with type and lettering, I kind of play with. Um, my client base is now predominantly international, which is amazing. It's getting me to take me places such as Australia, mm. um, which is incredible. Um, I do still work with the Scotland and, and local community, which is a big thing uh, for me as well. I'm really passionate about that. Um, so, yeah, I've, that's a kind of small condensed version. Mm-hmm. Um, and then prior to that, before the life of design, I used to play football. Um, so it was a kind of a shock to come into the design world. Shocked a few people by doing that. Um, but the kind of qualities that I have from football was transcended into this kind of professional environment. So the whole hard working thing and... Offside room. <laughs> <laughs> and all those things. Out so of grief. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, bit of a crazy journey and a very, I've done quite a lot in a short space of time, but I'm just enjoying the ride and yeah. just seeing where it takes me, really. Yeah. And so... Alison, you are also here with Craig, and we thought it'd be good to do this podcast together. Yeah, uh, and why is that? What My do first you? First ever podcast. First ever podcast. <laughs> very exciting. Uh, this is the one that you take home, and everyone will be like around the fire. You'll have a, a few bowls of wine. Family will be there. So, right, was everyone listening? Yep, that's exactly yeah. it. People are already texting me, remember, and sending a link for the podcast. Oh, oh, there yeah, we go. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll forget about you. So, what do you? So I'm a mental health nurse um, and I work back home in a prison 
Mm. And uh, my job is to support prisoners with their mental health needs um, while they're in custody in order to sort of help rehabilitate them for when they go back into the community. Mm. So I love my job. I've been doing that now for five years. Mm. Um, and that kind of environment and that kind of thing something I've always wanted to do. But obviously now in life in general, mental health and talking about mental health is such a big thing that yeah. it definitely puts me in a sort of good position to help not even just people in work that I get paid for, but friends and family as well. So And me. That's and Craig. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's an added bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so when um, when people say it's not good mental health to take your work home with you, you, you do anyway. Well, yeah, I don't charge Craig. <laughs> I probably should start, to be fair, because he uses my services quite a lot. But we both use each other, and that's mm. one of the things. It's funny you say that, don't take your work home with you. That's one of our things, Craig will tell yeah. you. All the time we've got this quote we use, and it's leave your backpack at the door. Mm. Because I come in with stresses and strains Absolutely. of every day. And I'll come in, speak to Craig about it, and say, okay, that's that, you've offloaded, leave the backpack at the door. And same yeah. goes for Craig. When I come home at quarter to five, Craig's been working all day in the studio on his own. Mm. Yeah. He'll say to me, oh my God, you know, this happened today, or, you know, I'm having difficulty with this, or I'm really stressed about this. So we chat about it for about half an yeah. hour or yeah. so, and then we leave the backpacks at the door, and we don't pick them up again until mm. the next day. So for sure, that's a good thing we've kind of yeah. learned to do, haven't we? It's been really beneficial to both our lives, to be honest. Um, like you say, all that stress and pressure that you get from a working day um, can mount up. And especially for me, being in an environment where I'm on my own mm. um, and I've no one to talk to, especially other creators go, what do you think of this or what do you think of that? Um, so when Alison comes in the door, it's usually me barricading her with all this information. She's like, wow, wow, wow. Human contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but simply just talking about my day, offloading, and like Alison said, leaving their backpack at the door, which is all that stress and uh, kind of pressures that we had and leave it aside and then we can continue with our lives and enjoy spending time together and living life outside of the work environment and that's been a massive thing for us. Yeah. It really benefited us, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Before I met Craig when he lived in London, he literally just worked all day until he went to sleep mm. and then it wasn't until he moved home and we moved in together that I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's seven o'clock at night, why are you working? Close your laptop. And to Craig it was a kind of strange thing for me to kind yeah. of have that mindset but and at first he sort of freaked a little bit and was like oh no I, I want time I need to do this and I need to work on it but he's got good at saying no when the yeah. work day yeah. ends the laptop gets put to one side and we we just move on yeah so one one thing that well one of the techniques that Hallie's implemented on me was this <laughs> coming home from work at quarter to five and I shut down the laptop so when Ali first told me this um I was kind of like, nah, that's not going to happen. Because <laughs> as creators, we tend to work long, long hours, mm. just feeling like we need to do more, we need to do more. And especially being on my own, because I'm running my own business, I'm trying to make the next thing happen or whatever I'm doing right there and then. Um, I thought, this isn't, this is not going to work. However, I promised Alison that I would do this from day one. And to be honest, it's radically changed my life. Um, because from my, when I start work at, say, 10 in the morning to quarter to five, I am so focused, my yeah. productivity yeah. levels are so high because I'm focusing on the tasks at hand that need to be done. I don't mess about, I don't fuck about on social media. Sorry for swearing. No, <laughs> I don't fuck about on social media. I get whatever the tasks I need to get done, that is what I focus on. And when Ali comes in, I close my laptop and I can feel good that I've done that because mm. even though there is more to do the next day, I can just get on with my life and the next day I just pick up again. And it honestly has radically changed my life doing that. And I can't 
recommend that enough to most mm. creatives because mo sorry but going side tangent here but when I was in New York last month and I was speaking to other designers and they were working crazy hours mm. I mean extreme hours mm. and I was talking about the story about me finishing a quarter to five I'm like are you f is that real is that something you can do and I'm like yeah but you have the power you need to do it, do it on your own mm. and you know what I mean you can't expect someone else to do it for you you need to take responsibility to mm. make that happen whether you're working in a, an agency or, or on your own like you need to take responsibility to make that change and I think that's important to share that mm. Mm. and so having done that your output hasn't changed because of the way you focused and made that time purely productive to, to be honest I think my outputs went even yeah. more mm. and it's, it's actually doubled since mm. I came back from London the, the big thing that happened when we were in London I set up my own business well more sorry when I was in London and I was so scared to come back home because I thought I've got all these London clients I'm going to lose them if I go home the funny thing is is since I've been back home in Scotland I have gained more London based clients and I've worked at a much better timetable. And I, I openly tell my clients this as well. Uh, and that's a big thing because it's trust is the main thing that I get with, with my clients from day one. Because I'm very honest and I'm heart, heart my sleeve kind of guy. And I tell people, this is how I work, this is how it's done, this is my process. And as soon as they buy into that, they understand they'll get better results that way. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you need to be flexible of different timescales, especially with international clients. And there's sometimes I need to ask for permission from Ali. Like, I've got a call at 10 o'clock tonight. I'll only be half an hour. She's like, okay. And then... It's <laughs> 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 benefit, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> only in special circumstances I'm allowed for that. And that's just the way it goes for international clients. But to be honest, like, there's no other... We were speaking about this the other day. I rarely, very, very rarely have worked ever past quarter past. Quarter no, to five, I five o'clock. Yeah. He's so good at it. The first when we met, Craig was working in London, like I had mentioned, he was just working constantly. He literally was just eating, sleeping and breathing graphic design constantly. So he'd lived there for about three years. And then I would go down and visit him and I remember saying, come on, we'll go to the London Eye. And Craig's like, well, I've never been there. Come on, we'll go to see Buckingham Palace. Well, I've never been there. I hadn't seen anything. <laughs> he literally just sat in his cabin where he also said he worked. And literally never went out. So it wasn't until I went down and I would spend the weekend and I'd say, come on, we'll go and see this. Come on, we'll go and do that. You know, the touristy things you would do. And he had literally never seen any of them yeah. because he was just working so hard. So I guess there's that happy medium, isn't there? Yeah. So that's good that you found that. But back to those days, mm -hmm. <coughs> the what is it? Like, it, it's kind of accepted, isn't it? Like you said, you went to New yeah. York and that's the norm. Yeah. Um, and I think when, so we met, probably two or three years ago. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it was at TDC, probably just as you were moving from London to go yes. to Scotland, I think. Yes. Um, and, but like the topic, I don't think the topic of your talk no, was no. burnout, but you were like one of the main people talking about burnout yeah. that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is, why, like, why is it that there's this feeling that at that stage in your career that you just have to work around the clock? I... <sighs> For me, I can also speak from my own experience, and I think it for me was wasn't being accepted or I wasn't good enough. Um, wondering if the next project or clients coming in, the money's coming in the door, and there was probably a multiple things building up inside of me that kind of pressurised me to work long, long hours and feeling like I need to do more, I need to do more, and I wasn't content of who I was as a person and who I was as a creative. And it's such those early days, I had such high expectations of myself. And don't get me wrong, I still have high expectations of myself now, but I, I'm, I'm much more content. I'm, I'm loving life. I'm loving where I am and where I am as a creative and as I am as a person. Um, but at that time, 
and probably because I didn't have human interaction. Like I literally worked in a cabin. I lived in a cabin as well, and uh, twenty four hours a day. A cabin. It was a cabin studio <laughs> in <laughs> in London, in yeah, the right. North London. It was. It's a, it was a brilliant getaway from the hustle and bustle. Yeah. But as soon as I stepped outdoors, I was like, I hate this place. Why am I here? I hate London. Um, that's probably why I didn't go and see Buckingham Palace and the London Eye and yeah. stuff. Um, but I do think at that early stage of my career, I, it probably was more of an acceptance thing from other. I don't know, agencies and creators to see, like, I am doing this. And then, and I felt like I had to do another project and I had to get another and project. And were you enjoying it, do you think? <sighs> I, I, I knew in the way I was looking at it, it's a long-term, it's a long-term yeah. journey. It's a long-term uh, um, picture I was looking at. And I thought to myself, if I get through this tough situation, then it will lead to a more positive light. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it did. Um, uh, because, but what happened is, when I speak about the burnout thing that happened in my mm-hmm. career, uh, in 2015 or 16 it was, and I speak about it in my talk that mm. I remember uh, we spoke about TDC, and it was an accumulation of um, working long hours, traveling as well, because I was doing a project in, back home in Glasgow, but working a full-time job in London, and I was trying to make it as an independent designer. So accumulating hours of working a full-time job, on top of that, doing a freelance work and traveling, and I got back to London and it hurt burnout, and it was horrendous, and I was ill, and it was completely, devastating but in that moment I turned that negative into a positive and it made me reevaluate what I wanted to do with my life mm. and it was like a light bulb it was and it made me realise that I wanted to go out and be an independent designer and I wanted to have a better life than this I didn't want to be doing these long hours and I didn't want to be feeling horrible doing this job I should be enjoying this and I wasn't I was and I wasn't it was a weird scenario mm. I loved the fact that I was hands on creating a piece of design yeah. or art whatever it was yeah. but at the same time I was like I feel ill, like my throat was getting sore, I had headaches, mm-hmm. and I thought, but I need to get this done, I've got this deadline, I've got this pressure. And the most, to be honest, the most pressure was made by me. That client could have yeah. probably extended it a few days later, mm-hmm. but like, no, I had to need, I had to get this done because I've got this job, I've got that job. And it just accumulated even more. And to be honest, I've never hit burnout ever since, since that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned from that instantly. And I've, like I said, turned that negative mm-hmm. into positive. And now I probably have much more workload but I manage it in a much more better way. And to be honest, in those times, I learned from them to, like I said, manage a much better lifestyle now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask how, how you shifted your mindset from being resistant to stopping work at that time to accepting, no, okay, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to commit to this. So that was part of it? Yes. And um, then moving in together was part of it? It was a cute... <laughs> one of the honest reasons I'll give you is I didn't enjoy working under someone else in their philosophy and maybe not philosophy is not right to their way of doing business yep. or whatever their work schedule was. I just didn't believe in it I thought it was wasn't productive for me mm-hmm. um, and my heart was already since I, the day I graduated I knew I wanted to be an independent designer I knew I had to get the experience working in agencies and to be honest I told these people this is my goal this is my dream and not one person said to me, don't go for it. Mm. Mm. And I think they always knew that I was on the city doing typography and lettering, practicing and practicing and practicing. And it was always a goal of mine to do this. Um, but probably since I met Ali, that my mind totally shifted. Um, to the, obviously for the good, for the better, because now I'm married to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it did radically change my life. Uh, for the better in terms of my career. My career's radically has improved. And like I said, I've been I've only been going for six years. I've managed to set up my own business. I've been traveling the world. I've been working with international clients. 
I'm I'm living the best life possible, mm. and Ali's played a massive part to that, especially behind the scenes, because it's not all singing and dancing. There's plenty of times where I've been emotional and I've been crying. I'm stressed out, my nut, and Alison's always been there. Full. Backpacks full. Backpacks full, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it is, it's, it's challenging, but she's always been there for me, and yeah, and I like to think I've done the same yeah. um, when it comes to mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, there's been a multiple things, but I think meeting Alec was a changing turning point for me, to be honest. So how hard was it to get Craig to change like that <coughs> philosophy about work? And was that like, was it a, my wife went and gave me an ultimatum. Uh, but that was about coming to Australia, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a little easier. Yeah. But um, it's obviously can't have been that easy to take something that you've been doing for so long mm-hmm. um, and then to try and go, hey, you know, look, we need to balance life and work better. Yeah, I mean, I think at the start, Craig was working, like you mentioned, for someone else. He was working for agencies and then doing his own kind of personal brand at night. Yeah. So I understood the differentiation there and that time had to be spent on his own personal brand. So he would come home from work and be in his home studio and then be working for a couple of hours. And then it was after that point, but he would only work for a couple of yeah, hours, yeah, to be fair to him, before dinner, yeah. and then we would sit down and, and chill the rest of the night. I think after a good few months of doing that, it was Craig himself that came to me saying, you know, this is a lot, working for somebody else and doing my own thing, when I know my end goal is to work for myself. So we kind of spoke a bit about maybe looking at condensed hours with mm-hmm. the agency, but that didn't work out just from a business point of view. So he was kind of stuck in a situation where he kind of had to make that decision about, you know, going to do his own thing which he did and was quite difficult because he'd done it literally about two months after we got a mortgage and right <laughs> after we got engaged and we're planning a wedding <laughs> so it wasn't the best time but I remember it so well we sat in the house and he said to me I need to do it and I said well do it then you know and it was a bit yeah. of a risk because he was going from getting a mm. kind of steady income to sort of taking that leap of faith but I thought you know see at the end of the day if it doesn't work out you can go and get another job it won't it won't be that difficult yeah. Um, so that was probably the transition where he went from working those really, really long hours to solely focusing on his own thing, where he would literally work from home, I don't know, nine till five or whatever it was, and then literally close his mm-hmm. MacBook, and then that was that was us from there. So in that respect, you were quite good at that. You didn't you didn't to seem to struggle with that transition. Not, too to much. be honest, uh, it, it was like an overnight decision. Yeah. yeah. I woke up one morning and said, "I've had enough. I'm I'm going to do my own thing." Turn around the aisle. Don't worry, we were speaking about it beforehand, and it was yeah. just a final moment. I just mm. had had enough. I need to go do my own thing. Mm. And I went in that day to, I just went in and handed him a notice right away. Uh, and I felt such a relief. Mm. I had no money. <laughs> I had no money. I had no clients. Yeah, in hindsight, it was a bit spontaneous, that, wasn't it? It, it was, <laughs> but to be brutally honest, it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. 100%. And if I had to do it again, I would. Um, because that situation catapulted me into a much better life, uh, as, like I say, in, in life in general and as a career as well. So well, there's nothing like that pressure of, you, you know, you want to do this and suddenly you've swapped the kind of agency full-time job pressure to, okay, well, this is actually my own thing now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I assume is much more motivating. Yeah, totally. Um, when it's your own thing, you give it somehow 110% or even more. Um, everything that you do, it's got your heart involved. For me personally, I, I put my heart into everything I do, even from the design side and even the business side of stuff. Um, and the, I think the most amazing thing that I can turn around and say is, I did this. Mm-hmm. I done this on my own. Like I never had like 
business mentors or design mentors or anything like that. I've had people that I've relied on and that asked for experience, but realistically, like I've been learning this on my own and Ali's been there to help and support me in every way. She does a lot behind the scenes, I kid you not. Um, business side oh, of I stuff. I When I do interviews, like written interviews, I go, Ali, can you go check us over? She's like, Craig, I need to change a lot of this. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> my, it's my grammar's uh, that's the problem. You're getting better. I'm, I'm You're getting so much better. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> See, supporting See, you right here yeah. as well, not but just totally. Yeah, not just um, edits. But <laughs> the other big thing is when I did make that decision to go out the moon, having the support base of Ali and even my friends and family were mm. all very supportive. Like the they probably didn't know exactly what I was doing because if no one knows what the creative side of stuff, they mm. don't. Yeah. Especially like what is a graphic designer? Yeah, exa- mm. one of those things. So, yeah, whatever you want to do, son, I'll back you up, and that's all I needed to be honest. Um, and everyone has been so encouraging and very supportive. So, there's a lot of people to thank along the way. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been incredible so far, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier how it's been hard to escape you the last few <laughs> months. Um, <clears throat> I think you've sent me stuff directly as well, so that's probably. probably <laughs> <why>. <laughs> um, but I think you, we were chatting and you mentioned that um, like that might be an interesting topic to discuss because it, it looks so simple and easy and it's like, oh, you know, I'm off here in mm-hmm. Australia doing the tour and over in New York. And, but there's a lot that goes behind that. And obviously when you rock up, you're all smiles. Yep. You're all kind of like, isn't life great? I've made yep. this myself, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, how hard though is that behind the scenes? And in fact, you know, you've obviously seen it behind the scenes as well. How, how do you manage that? Oh, yeah. yeah, I think it's exciting for Craig because it's something that I guess happened probably more quickly than he anticipated it would happen. So it's been nice in that respect to get these offers and to feel as though his work and his sort of efforts are being valued. So I guess it's just about juggling the diary though for Craig in some ways things come through and you've not really got that much time to actually plan them and then if Craig's working on projects behind the scenes he's like should I go should I not I don't know what to do you know timings of things can sometimes be you know make him kind of second guess if he should go or he shouldn't or you know different projects and things coming in but from my point of view I'm always a bit jealous (laughs) because I only get six weeks holiday every year and I can't go on them all so (laughs) I'm sitting at home thinking yeah go to New York that'll be good and I'm sitting at home missing them but definitely I think it is the way forward just putting putting yourself out there and going to do all these mm. things and you do it well yeah it, it does on the outside it does look like it's a fantastic I'm getting yeah. to do all these speaking opportunities traveling the world but there's a hell of a lot of work behind the scenes like I am a big believer in people buy into people so as soon as I get an opportunity whether it's from a client or anything at all whether in London or anywhere I can possibly get to meet them face to face I will go on that first flight and meet them because every time that I feel like I can speak to someone face to face I've already won half of the battle Mm. and that's a big thing for me because a lot of my work comes from me as my person and as my personality and usually when you speak to someone you speak about life in general and you start to connect with people and I try and do it every single time. So all these speaking engagements, everything that I've been to, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes. It's not just because, oh, I'm popular on social media or whatever, on the design scene, like there's a lot ever behind the scenes. And it's connections that I made maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, that are now coming to fruition. And that's been a big thing as well. And keeping that conversation and connection going. um, Like for instance, I spoke about 
going to New York last month, and that came off the back of speaking with an agency in New York who says, oh, if you're ever in New York, please come see us and showcase your portfolio. And I'm like, when the fuck am I ever going to be in New York? <laughs> and then that was on the Monday I got that email, and on the Tuesday I got the very similar email by another agency in New York saying, if you're ever in New York, please come by. We would love to meet you. And I spoke to Alison that night on the Tuesday, and I was like, my gut is telling me I need to go to New York and meet these people and just meet as many people as I possibly can. And Alison's like, as the way she was, like 100% let's do it because we know it could benefit your career and it could take you forward. But the big thing was at that time we were paying a lot of money because mm. we just got married. And so there's a lot of stuff going out the door and it's a lot of money. So I had to pay for my flight and accommodation. And so I booked a week in New York, didn't have any meetings lined up. I had two of those two agencies. Yeah. I was like, shit, what the fuck am I going to do now for a week? So I wrote out a hit list of all design agencies and brands that would love to collaborate with, and kind of went on LinkedIn, sent a wee personal message saying, I'm coming to New York, we'd love to meet you. And I must have sent about 40 or 50 emails in total, and I must have got a reply about 25 to 30, which was incredible. Like mm. usually when you do that, you get probably about two emails. Mm. Um, but about out of those 25 to 30 was all the people that I really wanted to meet. And they're like, yeah, Craig, we'd love to meet you. And I was like, shit. This is happening. Mm -hmm. So I had, for in five days that I was in, working days that I was in New York, I had at least 27, 28 meetings, and it was chaos. Mm. It was absolute chaos, but it was the best time ever because I was meeting these people face to face. And from those interactions, I was getting more opportunities for projects, mural projects, and um, branding projects, packaging, more speaking engagements. I ended up speaking at the um, AIGA event at the Museum of um, Art and Design, which is mental. It was amazing. It was a dream for me to speak to that. Um, but there was a, just to put it in perspective, all those meetings were all behind a lot of hard work behind the scenes, connecting with people, networking. And it's not just because of that week. Like there was years and years of connections along the line and building up this kind of um, interaction with people, which has kind of helped me forward. So I'm a big believer in networking. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's a kind of, I don't know, a lot. I don't feel like enough designers and creative people do it. They feel like they expect work to come to them. Mm. And I think it's great having a, a good portfolio, a solid portfolio, and it's nice to send an email, but if you can meet someone face to face, it's a hundred times better. Yeah. And I can't stress how important that is. And that's, to be honest, is one of probably the major thing that is catapulted my career mm. is meeting people face to face. Yeah. Um, like I am in Australia, I can't wait to meet everybody who's come to the talks and just seeing where it goes because you never know who's going to be in that talk and tonight when yeah. I'm speaking in Sydney mm. and that could lead to a potential project or an opportunity. You never know. And that's the way I treat it and I try and engage with as many people as possible. Um, so yeah, just to say there's a lot of stuff that goes up behind the scenes to make these opportunities happen. Mm. Yeah. When times aren't so good, how do you recognise it? Like how do you recognise when actually something's like you can't see a solution immediately in front of you mm -hmm. and like how do you react we were um <laughs> me and us were speaking about this and there's been plenty of times i get i get quite angry yeah it probably myself or the situation or when a client says something fucking ridiculous and you're like Pah! but to be honest clients do that and you need to it's part of the process so there's been times when that happens and uh, we where we stay we're like a hundred yards from this the water and there's yeah. a beautiful promenade and usually I just walk out the door, um, to be honest, to let steam off, because Alison's at work, and when she works in the prison, I can't call her. No. She mm. doesn't have a mobile, she doesn't, there's no way I can contact her. So the best thing for me to do is either go out a walk, 
um, and de-stress, um, either go to the gym as well mm-hmm. and walk away from it. And then it could take 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour, go for something to eat. I literally take my mind off it. Um, there's been some times I've been in the house and I've just sat and watched Netflix for <laughs> half an hour. And it just honestly, just, just to zone out and just to calm myself down. Yeah. Um, and when I get back into the studio, I have a much more clearer thought and, and think about what can I do to make this better mm-hmm. and then the more positive steps. And another thing that has been a big beneficial to me is I've started doing meditation. Um, I've been doing the Headspace app, like if they call that meditation, but it's radically changed um, situations where I get really stressed out and pressurized and I do these breathing techniques and it really, really helps. Mm-hmm. From previous experiences where I would usually get very angry, pissed off, and then I would try and do some other piece of work and then I would make that more shit because I'm still angry about the previous yeah. piece of stuff. And it was just a, an accumulation of shit, shit, shit. Mm. <laughs> and I had to kind of learn a way to make that mm. not happen. So those kind of things that I've been doing is from previous experiences. And I learned from each mis- Every time I make a mistake or in a pressure moment, I learn from it and try to do it again. Um, because when I do it like that, my, like I said, my productivity is much more efficient. Um, but yeah, when usually when Alison comes in, I do still talk about it, but it's not in that angry sense that I was yeah, a few yeah. hours before because <coughs> I've de-stressed. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then we debrief for a wee bit. But I think one of the main things as well for Craig, when things are getting a bit stressful or a bit too much, his sleep pattern goes to absolute pot. That's probably the first thing, and that's yeah. when I know I can mm. see in him, there's, what's, what's up, what is it, what's going on? And that's when there's something in the background going on that he's worried about or stressed about or a deadline that he's thinking mm-hmm. about or, you know, it's a to-do list mentally in his mm-hmm. head that he's thinking that he needs to do and literally he'll not sleep. He'll sleep about two or three hours a night, yeah. which is why we then started speaking about the breathing mm-hmm. exercises and the headspace app and things because yeah. that's the main thing that I notice anyway in you when there's something uh, stressful going on. And from that, um, what I've learned from that experience is how to kind of sleep better yeah. is do my meditations late at night, just before I go to bed, and actually read a book which is getting non-design related. Yeah. I'm actually a big fan of Jack Reacher, and I'm reading all his books. <laughs> uh, and, but when I read his books, I am totally lost in that story, and I'm yeah. not even thinking about the to-do list. You do need uh, to, yeah. Uh, and then maybe my subconscious makes me up at like four or five in the morning, but um, I could maybe get up and then I kind of go back to bed. Um, but that's getting much better over time. And a big thing I used to do was, especially when I was pressurized with deadlines and stuff, would wake up, check my phone. Mm. For n- no apparent reason, but check my phone. And then you look at emails or you look at social media. And I, I t- took that out of the equation a long time especially ago. Especially if you're working with international clients and you may get something exactly. that you could respond to at that time. And yeah. So what I do now is I literally turn my phone in silent, turn it face down on the table, put it away from the bed. Um, and I only look at it when I get up in the morning, um, not instantly, because another thing that I do is when I wake up, I step into the studio um, and then I just decompress and I do a lot of affirmation stuff as well and a lot of goal setting stuff and I say them out loud and it kind of makes me, sets me up for the day. Mm. I say things like, oh, everything's great, everything's positive, all these kind of things and it actually sets me up. So when I, it takes me another 30 minutes after waking up to then look at my emails and then get into the day. Um, 
and that helps me out massively because before mm. it was instantly waking up, looking at your phone and going mm. shit, shit, shit. And then setting you in a, a kind of negative mindset, um, depending on obviously what emails. Not every day I get negative <laughs> emails, but um, it's just part of the process. Context, yeah, yeah, so th- those kind of techniques that I've implemented have radically helped me out. Are okay. these, have these come from you, Alison? Are they? Um, some of them. I won't take all the credit because some <laughs> of them Craig kind of implemented before, but there's been a few of mm. them that I've kind of yeah. sort of helped Craig to deal with. One of the main things is he's kind of thinking around things, and I think that's the same for all of us in life sometimes when Craig's having a crap day and he's can't get the brief right or there's a client that's stressing him out and he feels as though he's not doing good enough and he starts getting frustrated that's all he focuses on and that's all he talks about and that's all he can think about but sometimes it takes for him to say Craig stop a minute take the blinkers off let's look at the bigger picture look at all the things you're doing well you're doing really mm-hmm. well and he'll think yeah right enough you're right you know I shouldn't be so hard on myself and I think creatives from what I can see I'm not creative myself but I think that's a thing a lot of people do you know you focus very much in on the things that you can't do or the things you haven't got as opposed to all the talent that you do have and all the things that you're doing really well and Craig does that a lot so that's probably the main thing I help to do with Craig and say you know stop a wee minute let's kind of look at the bigger picture and then generally that helps a little bit yeah it does Mm. so so that's interesting so how do you so living with a creative and living with someone who's always like Craig never stops yeah although obviously you've got quite good at like the discipline around yeah. when to actually stop work but in the overall I guess the context is, is that it's always on it's always happening there's always something exciting around the corner mm-hmm. do you ever have to like step back from that or find your own space or yeah, sometimes like don't get me wrong I'm jealous of creative people because I've not got a creative bone in my body and I think it's incredible what creatives do and sometimes we'll literally be sitting watching something on TV just chilling 8 o'clock at night and Craig will say oh, I need to pause that hang on and then he runs into the studio and he writes something <laughs> down and he goes back but it's cute it's fun I like it I, that gives me a bit of a buzz as well and I'm like oh what was it one day I got ready to go to the gym and I put my gym leggings on and he's like hang on a minute your gym leggings have just given me a cool idea and I'm like, oh, cool. It did. Um, <laughs> he had these crazy patterned um, kind of gym leggings on mm-hmm. and that's what fueled my acrylic fusion lettering installations. Art. That's what started yeah, me in the London calling. And um, I remember I tried, I tried four in one day at work and I was couldn't go, because I couldn't find the bloody leggings. I was like, I need these leggings. <laughs> so I do, that wasn't a message yet to pass uh, on. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, yeah, where's my wife's leggings? Uh, I'm in the house today. Uh, Not my own. So yeah. she came home. She came home. And I was like, where's your leggings? She's like, what? And I'm like, where's your leggings? So eventually got them. And that's what started that whole um, new piece of artwork, which has yeah. led into um, commissions and collaborations and stuff. So it's crazy how these ideas come about. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, that's crazy how it happened. But that's part of the thing of like letting like those times like we've, yep. we've talked about recently, which is you know the times when you let your mind wander, yeah. or you're not really thinking about work, is the times when those things get unlocked, yeah. right? Because yeah. otherwise you just end up going over the same patterns yeah. over and over mm-hmm. again, and I you think don't uh, hit those moments. You're, you're totally right there. I think most of my ideas come with mm-hmm. probably at nighttime or when we're out about at the weekends, yeah. and um, I'll literally spend like a minute or two minutes putting a, a note in my phone or say something, or go to Alison, remind me to do this mm-hmm. when I go back home, or something like that. Because um, it just pops up while we're out eating, or seeing something, or sightseeing. Or yeah. And that's usually when it happens. Like, in a studio, like, for me, it's more about just doing the work, but they get the inspiration outside, and mm. just enjoying life. 
um, and taking my mind off a of design. And mm. I always, I've been in a pub with my pals before, and they'll be saying something, and I'm like, shut up. I've got an idea. And they'll be like, you shut up. <laughs> and then, uh, so, <laughs> typical lad thing. And then before you know it, I, f- I forgot about it, or I've, uh. I've wrote it down on my phone and go, I think that's just a drunken statement. That <laughs> doesn't even make sense. So, yeah, it happens at random times for me. Yeah. I think um, I wasn't there at the TDC that you spoke at, but I did watch your talk afterwards. Um, you mentioned something about visualisation in it. Is yeah. that something that you... Is it part of the sort of new things that you've, you've it, implemented? Or yeah, was it so I, I started, started visualisation maybe about two or three years ago, probably at TDC time, actually, just before it. Um, and it's played a massive part in my life and in my career. Um, I, I do it every single day. I visualise where I want to go and what I want to do. Um, and to be honest, when I spoke about it at TDC, um, the visual, I actually visualised this start when I was in London mm-hmm. at a, a challenging time because I wanted a better life. I wanted a better career. I wanted to do more and things. So I visualised, when I was in London, I visualised going back home. I visualised getting married and starting a family with Alison. I wanted to get a whole studio and work with international clients across the world from my hometown. And at that point in my life, I didn't have all that. I was... In the cabin. It was in the cabin, <laughs> yeah, in that cabin. <laughs> but I kept thinking about it over and over again. I visualised myself walking on the promenade, walking from home, being with Alison, and working with these clients. And I thought about it every single day. And then before you know it, these things actually became a reality in my life. Uh, and now all of it is, mm. is, is happening, which is incredible. And I started to implement it with projects and clients that we'd love to work with and the way we want to see our life and where we want to go. Um, I'll even tell you in a, a kind of secret, if you want to say that, that at the start of this year, I do a lot of goal setting. And one of my goals was to do public speaking across Europe, Australia and America. Mm-hmm. At the start of the year, I had none of those planned, but I visualised myself on stage at Off Festival in Barcelona, mm-hmm. um, speaking back here of Agda uh, in Sydney, and I, sp- I visualised myself speaking on stage in New York. Now, I, I didn't know exactly what these venues looked like, but in my head of like, I'm in Sydney, I'm in New York, I'm in uh, Barcelona. And I thought to myself, come back into the kind of reality world being here, how can I make those dreams become a reality, basically? What steps each day? So whether it's contacting someone or engaging with these people, and before you know it, all these visualizations became a reality. This year, I've spoken off festival in Barcelona. I'm now in Australia. Last month, I was in New York speaking. But it's all part of this visualization, and it's a massive, massive part of my career. And everything that I've has happened has been part of visualization. And I can't. And I asked creatives this part of my talks. I say, does anyone do visualization? No one said. No one puts a hand up. It's as if there's a kind of fear to say mm. you do it. See, afterwards, when we were like doing a Q and A or like one-on-one situations. People come to me, oh, Craig, I actually do visualisation as well. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to share it. Like, <laughs> I think, especially coming from someone from Scotland and, like, I've got an older brother and a dad who are just typical lads. And <laughs> the, but when I speak about visualisation with them, they're like, what, what? are you doing, <laughs> <that>? <laughs> you doing son? But to be honest, I, when I speak about it to them and make them understand why I do it and the reason behind it, they go, that's all right, son. That's, that's not bad, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> so... When I speak about it loudly, and I, I, I take a kind of responsibility in myself in speaking about these things, because I think it gives light and res- uh, opens doors for others to do mm. the same. And like I said, it's radically changed my life. And every time I do this visualization, it becomes a reality. So the more and more I do it, hopefully all these things happen. Um, yeah, and it's been, I've been doing it for 
several years now and I do it every single day and it only takes like 30 seconds really it's like that's a short time of it and I do it usually I do it for about two three four minutes with part of a meditation thing um but yeah like I, I can't recommend it enough and it for anyone any kind of creative to be honest yeah, we've got vision boards up in our bathroom. We both made one each and they're on the wall. So we do visualisation every morning when we're brushing our teeth and then every um, night before we go to bed as well. Um, and we've got different vision boards with different things on them. But mm -hmm. yeah, as Craig says, it's something we've both kind of been yeah. doing for a while. And it's just, everyone probably does it informally. You just don't call it that, but everyone's got yeah. goals in life and things they want to work towards, every single person in the world. But I guess it's just calling it visualisations yeah. that thing that some people sort of maybe aren't too sure what it is but mm -hmm. it is literally looking at what you want and then looking at how you go about getting it so yeah it's definitely helped you i sure. think another thing to say about it is when we had these vision boards and we would think about them all the things actually happened a lot quicker than we expected mm -hmm. um i remember when we bought our first house and i wasn't ready i remember i felt like i wasn't ready to do this but we were i was visualizing it for years and and before you know it, it happened and it was the best thing that ever happened to us and it just all these kind of things even speaking of here in australia like they've all happened a lot quicker than expected but because it's part of visualization that i've been doing for a while it somehow comes more quicker to you it's, it's such a weird process because you think about it and you believe about it and it's a kind of self-belief as well and like you can actually make these things happen yeah. it actually becomes reality maybe you subconsciously do things that because you've kind of defined it as something that you mm. you remind yeah. yourself all the time I guess that's the difference with it as well, isn't it? It's suddenly a bit more tangible, like yeah. when you've actually visualised it yep. and put it on a board, yeah. like you mm -hmm. said. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> I I'm, we had this chat yesterday. Um, so I was with my psychologist last week, and she talked about this concept of like I can take on too much, mm -hmm. you know. So oh, let's you know create minimum standards for an industry around mental health let's mm -hmm. start a change group around internships and <clears throat> all the other things that you kind of meant to do um and then i talked about other things i wanted to do like you know writing a book and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff and then she talked about this idea of like so what what is what are these things for are they for pleasure or are they for achievement and the <clears throat> like there's a really fine line between the two and that if a bit like when you said you would like when you were talking earlier about whether I should be doing all this because mm -hmm. I want to be the best I can be and I want to mm -hmm. you know I'm looking at people around me and I want to get to this mm -hmm. point like at what how do you manage or do you even like do you kind of see that of like this difference between I'm doing this because I love doing mm -hmm. it and this is a pleasure thing and you know it's okay actually if something doesn't happen mm -hmm. um, versus how much would your happiness be driven by not like not achieving mm -hmm. some of those visualizations for example um, we were speaking about this earlier. Um, I used to compare myself a lot to other people in the industry who probably in a similar field, but maybe have got a few years more experience than me and they're working with um, big clients, say, or big brands or whatever, and amazing projects. And I kept thinking to myself, why am I not there? Why I'm not good enough and all those kind of things. And that was being very detrimental to me uh, and my mental health. And I quickly realized that to make myself happy, I need to do the stuff that I want to do, mm. regardless of it's for a big brand or whatever. Like whatever I want to do, makes me happy, mm. and that's and that makes me content. Everyone, another thing that I, it kind of pisses me off is like as creators, we go, oh, we're never content. I can understand that to an extent, but you need to be content in life. I mm. think personally, um, because I'm the happiest I've ever been, and, and I get to do the most incredible work, and 
I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. And I think that's a key thing. So no matter what you do and where you do it for a massive brand or your local bloody butcher or your barber shop, like it, as long as you're happy doing it and you're proud of what you've achieved, and I think that's the most important thing. I think a big thing that is quite detrimental to a lot of creators' minds is social media. So when they, I've got friends who are world-class designers and they've got hundreds of thousands of followers, much more than me, and they're scared of putting a post up of their work because they maybe get a backlash of people negativity or they only get so many likes. Mm. So see me, see when I put up a, post, a piece of work or whatever I do, I do not give a fuck if I get five likes or 5,000 likes because what I'm doing is showcasing who I am as a person and who I am as my work. And I just want to showcase that to the world. And I'm proud of what I've achieved, no matter who it's for. And I think that's important too. And I'm happy with that. Like, I honestly do not care about the followers and the likes and stuff like that. In terms of the count, I care also care about the people and I appreciate everyone who's engaged with me. And I think that's really important. But to be chasing followers, to be chasing likes, like, that's just a horrible cycle to be yeah. in. Mm. And I feel like creatives are so much involved in that. And I think it's, you need to step back and just realize whatever you do makes you happy. And even if it, it doesn't need an audience as well, there's been times that I've created stuff and I've not actually put it out and showed people. And go, I built this, this is cool. And it's maybe non-relevant to bloody graphic design or whatever, and just, or lettering work especially. And I think that's important um, yeah. to say. I think one of the things about Craig as well, when you ask about, you know, that kind of line between happiness mm. and sort of hobbies and the work and that kind of gray area in between. I think one of the things about Craig and I admire it so much about him, is he's not driven by money at all. Like, Craig would knock back a really boring job that didn't interest him at all for a huge big client and go for the fun job where it's a cool, tight mural, maybe for a smaller client, just because it's fun and it's the work he mm. enjoys doing and he gets something out of it and he loves it, he totally thrives in that. So I think that's where his happiness sort of comes into it. He wouldn't just take a job because it's for a big client and yeah. it's paying loads of money because he would, you know, not be happy. <laughs> well, you would be stressed out, you're not probably, but... So I think that's probably where the line lies mm -hmm. with Craig a lot of the time as well. Is, and he's always said to me, I just want to do a job that I love and get paid for it so mm. as I can live comfortably with that and mm. be loving the job that I do, which is a lot of people's goal in life. I, I remember a, a situation when we first, when I first went out on my own, and um, I didn't have any clients, I didn't have any projects on the go, and but I started to put myself out there saying that I'm, I'm available, basically. And I got this one project come in, and it was horribly boring, but the money was crazy. It was mm. ridiculously good money. Um, and I realised it would have been about a three-month project or whatever. And uh, <laughs> I didn't have any money coming in the door. And I, I said to Alison, listen, I'm going to turn this down. And she's like, what? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> I didn't understand that? it at first. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't understand that. And, and I was like, yeah. she's like, Craig, we've got bills to pay. That's a lot of money. I says, can you not just do it for this one time? But I had this real self-belief that I know that the right project is just going to happen for me because I'm putting myself out there to the universe. I say it out loud. And I really, truly believe that if I start this business doing work that I don't want to do, then that will be never ending. I need to start off on the right foot. And funny enough, I knocked that back and I was saying, well, I, we were a bit stressed. And mm -hmm. even I was a bit stressed. It wasn't easy for me to knock it back because it was oh, good, absolutely. very good money. And I, I've that got responsibilities. That is the work that defines you then. Like you're only, you are your last piece of work. Essentially. Exactly. And yeah. then it was, I think it was like two or three days later. 
and I got this project going through it, and it was um, a, it was a, a mural project doing uh, type work on a mural project, and I was like, look, 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 I told you it would happen, I told you it happened, <laughs> and then it, from that moment, it slowly trickled in, and then it got more and more and more. And don't get it wrong, in the past year, I've not had I've not had to knock back any projects because it's all been projects that I want to do. And I think because I'm showcasing that in the world yeah. that people are gravitating, want to mm-hmm. ex- want me to express myself on the project that they're wanting, whether it's an art piece or design form. Um, so that was a kind of challenging time at the very, very start. And but once I we, once we got over that little hurdle at first, it's been kind of straight rolling, I'd say. Yeah. Hopefully. Greg's <laughs> always said to me, you know, even personal projects and things that he does just for fun in his spare time, he would always do projects that he would essentially want someone to hire him for, yeah. which yeah. is, I guess, the sort of ro- road that you're going down, and that's now starting to happen. Mm. People are coming to him for that kind of niche sort of area that he works in. So and yeah. I think I, I, I'm glad I pointed that out, because a big thing for me is personal projects. Um, it allows me a time to experiment and try new things. I'm, I'm constantly experimenting and trying new things and I want to showcase that to the world because sometimes you need to showcase what you can do to a client for them to, to know what they want kind yeah. of thing. Um, hence why the acrylic fusion installations that I did started off as a personal project which has now led to commissions, collaborations, exhibitions and stuff. Um, so I'm a big believer in doing personal projects and I factor it into my working schedule as well. It's just, as, for me, it's just as important as client-based work. Mm-hmm. Obviously, client-based work gets money in the door, but whenever a time I'm waiting back for feedback or any other time, then I am on doing personal projects to experiment. And then I use that as a way to catapult my brand and showcase more of this kind of stuff that I want to do. And it's, a, oh, it's like a marketing tool. It really is. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. clever enough to use it as a marketing tool in that sense, then it can lead to more opportunities, definitely. So we're getting close to the end <coughs> and we have to get you off to the powerhouse. <laughs> um, but I was going to... I think I'll leave that last one. I think I, d- I want to go back to a tougher question, mm-hmm. which is, do you have to go through that hard yards at the beginning, do you think, to get to where you are now? Like, is there another way? Because I think there's, you know, there's a lot that as you know, we've done surveys into mental mm-hmm. health of our industry and the young people are already suffering before they, mm-hmm. you know, be one or two years in. Mm-hmm. So can we create an environment where there's a better balance um, and you don't necessarily have to go through everything that you did, for example, mm-hmm. um, and but still get to where you are? Uh, yes, I think they, I think they can. Um, I genuinely believe that because I look at the people who worked in a generation before me and they probably worked more than me and stressed out and burnt out, which is more of a norm. Um, I only went through burnout once, and I learned from that mistake, and I learned from those situations much more quicker. And that's why I'm really glad that mental health is now much of an open topic to from new people who are graduates or even early designers or even seasoned professionals to now who can learn from the experience and know when those situations where they're feeling pressurised or stressed, then there's ways of tackling that, whereas before you probably didn't, no ways of treating that um, for me I, maybe I had to go through that journey to get to where I am now mm-hmm. um, but I want people to learn from those situations for me and I don't want to say there were mistakes because mm. there were moments in time that changed my life for the po- positive mm-hmm. um, but I do think the more and more we speak about it the more and more knowledge for people who are getting into the industry and knowing that you don't need to be working late nights and you don't need to be stressing yourself mm-hmm. out um, there's always going to be work the next day and there's always going to be something the next you can carry on and I think that's important to share that um, so I do think 
we can make a better structure mm. for people to go out and especially going out as an independent designer because for me I didn't like I said I didn't learn from anyone I had to learn on my own I was reading business books I was asking people for information but maybe if I had a mentor or something along those lines I'm happy to be that person for someone else now and don't go on I get emails all the time from people can you help me with this help me with that and I'll help as much as I possibly can mm. I encourage people to come to my talks because I speak about it a lot um, obviously I can be only one place at the one time um, and share that information but I do think as a commu- uh, creative community we can speak about it more and we can give better actions and treatment and ways of dealing with it better and we can make a better more productive life mm-hmm. um, and I guess to finish Alison from all your work that you do in your job and supporting Craig at home what would your kind of tips be for creatives as well we've covered quite a lot of them I would say definitely get hobbies that aren't design related mm. you know do things like Craig keeps going on about wanting to learn the guitar I've yet to see him pick up one yet but <laughs> <laughs> some Craig keeps going on about when he's got the time something yeah. like that you know play football you know go out a run you know just have a hobby that's not completely yeah. focused on design go out your pals and talk about things that aren't design related um, I think as well the kind of mindset thing is a big one like kind of challenging your own thinking that's a big thing I do in my work a lot it's kind of based on that sort of cognitive behavioural therapy CBT that you call it Mm. and it's about your cognitions which is your thoughts and how they can affect your behaviours and your feelings and that kind of negative cycle if you're thinking negatively Mm. it's really not going to be very productive on your productivity levels and the way that you're feeling it's just going to keep going round and round unless you change your mindset a little bit and like I had kind of mentioned earlier instead of thinking oh there's one this one aspect that I'm really struggling with take a step back and look at all the things you're really good at look at your strengths rather than Mm. look at the things you're maybe not so good at and to sort of drive you forward because there's nothing worse than sitting beating yourself up about something that you're struggling with um reading books I think is a good one as well that aren't really um you know in the sort of creative industry that's something I've definitely seen help Craig for <laughs> sure. Like I have Rachel. A, a recruit for my uh, Conair mindless uh, mindfulness movement. Conair, okay, there yeah. you go. Uh, well, I don't. I, I struggle, and we've talked about it, like to meditate yeah. and to not. I just get fidgety and like I just mm. I can't keep still. Um, but stick Conair on or Die Hard Lethal Weapon. Conair. Who's that? Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, yeah. yeah. And it's like, for and me, yeah. I mean, it's a classic. That's right, John Cusack. Uh-huh. They're all in there. My, they're um, all. But that's my, like, switch off. Yeah. Just stick it on at the end of the night and just go, I don't have to think about anything. Yeah. I can just watch this. I don't even know what everyone's going to say, blah, blah, blah. But do like what works for you. I think yeah. it's important to do what works for you. Yeah. Like, obviously, people talk about meditation, but there's different ways of doing meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, re- just do whatever makes you feel comfortable and kind of safe as well in a safe environment I think that's an important thing yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely alright oh, that was great that, that was, was awesome amazing. thank you <laughs> uh, <laughs> where can we find you um, you can find me my work on craigblackdesign.com and on Instagram and Twitter is uh, at underscore craigblack um, you can also find me on LinkedIn um, is there anywhere else you can find me in Scotland um, mm-hmm. and Gurok um, Gurok yeah <laughs> and I feel like you could start your own uh, creatives advice line. So? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm open to that. Yeah. Yep. 
Dear Alison, yeah. Colin. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually started a social enterprise back home called Creative Inverclyde, and it's all about how creativity can create social good. Yeah. I've been mm-hmm. thinking about ways of getting Alison involved, so yeah. you've just Dear Alison, there we go. Um, so Love it. We're going to do it back home. Let's do it. Yeah. Sign me up. Be international. Yeah. Make <laughs> <laughs> myself useful in all these tours that I'm tagging along. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming in. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Andy. And Thank you. Um, stream time. Thank you, stream time. So, um, if you uh, run a creative business and you want to manage projects and invoicing and scheduling better, then streamtime.net is a good place to go and check out. And um, we will be back in a couple of weeks. 